This is Jim Inkster, and I apologize for my voice, but we'll make a go of it. Please be patient. Signature support for our program is from East Baton Rouge Parish, Mayor President Sharon Weston Broom, and our show originates from the Investar Tower in Baton Rouge. 877-217-5757 is your number. Mark Ballard of The Advocate is joining us. We were slated uh, to join, be joined by Governor Jeff Landry today, as noted yesterday, but... I learned uh, in the last few hours he is unavailable. He's in the middle of a crime session, but he does promise he will be here tomorrow. So we will take him at his word. Again, 877-217-5757 is your number. And much has happened since we last visited with Mark a week ago. And uh, let's start on the world scene. Alexei Navalny, the anti-corruption activist who for more than a decade led the political opposition of Russian leader Vladimir Putin's country while enduring arrests, assaults, and a near-fatal poisoning died last Friday in a Russian prison, 47 years old. And, of course, there is mystery about his death, and Russia has been reticent about releasing his body to his family and People who are protesting or at least even acknowledging the death of Navalny are being put in prison in Russia. And this is a case in which uh, there is an obvious uh, tyrant running Moscow in Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin. And yet Mark Ballard in the United States, there is reluctance by people at the highest levels of our government in some cases to say much about Putin as far as criticizing him when it is certainly warranted. What do you make of this? Oh, there is a definite uh, uh, isolationist mood within uh, uh, opposition parts to the, uh, to the White House. Uh, now, I know that the, uh, the White House has been saying all they can about Putin and uh, about what the uh, Navalny's death means and how it came about. And it also internationally, it's been said, but there is a uh, a large segment of American voters now who are saying, well, that doesn't really involve us. This is not our fight. This is their fight, and we shouldn't be involved in it. And that's where that's coming down, and we'll be seeing a lot more of that over the next few days. And there are some Americans, such as Tucker Carlson, who believe that Putin had the uh, right to go into Ukraine and annex a sovereign nation. Well, yeah, and that, the argument to that is that, I mean, they, they're looking at the Ukraine as kind of uh, uh, like Texas in that, you know, while it was an independent nation a thousand years ago, it had been part of Russia for a thousand years and therefore should still be part of Russia. So that that's what that argument is about. Uh, And there is a new wrinkle involving Russian interference in elections, and this time it is centered around Alexander Smirnov, a 43-year-old person arrested this week at the Harry Reid International Airport in Las Vegas after a federal grand jury in California returned an indictment. And it accuses Smirnov for lying about President Joe Biden and his son Hunter Biden's involvement with Burisma the Ukrainian energy firm, his arrest and charges were a major setback for House Republicans' ongoing impeachment inquiry because he is central to this. 
There have been 85 mentions of him by one Sean Hannity on Fox News over the last few years. The whole case is basically centered about uh, around what Smirnoff said. Not only is he accused of lying, he's also accused of being a Russian person as far as his uh, he's on their side and has their uh, involvement in his world. So this is a, a mysterious morass that we're dealing with. And Mark Ballard, I've seen some of these uh, people uh, who are Republicans on Capitol Hill who won't give up the ghost. They say they're going to continue with the impeachment inquiry against President Biden. I, I think the, uh, the 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 rhetoric that they're using right now is that, oh, he may have lied, but the underlying story is remains the same. And uh, but he. They keep running into more and more problems. Yesterday, the president's brother was testifying in in the House committee and basically uh, denied and refuted every step of the way what they what they thought. But the but Smirnoff is, uh, uh, I mean, he was arrested, I guess, uh, last week on Wednesday, and uh, they're going to uh, um, they're going to. Uh, uh, basically charge him or they have charged him with uh, inventing these claims about the Ukrainian energy company and, uh, and Hunter Biden <laughs> and bribes to the mm-hmm. president. Well, people like Jim Jordan and Ted Cruz have uh, built, built their whole case against Biden based on Smirnov's word. And it turns out that word, uh, according to the government is not worth very much, but this guy uh, infiltrated the FBI. Uh, why did it take so long for him to be found as a fraud? I, I have no clue about that, but I do know that these investigations sometimes, particularly these politically sensitive investigations, take a long time, and they want to make sure all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed. So that that that's my best my best bet as to uh, why it took so long. For them, because remember that the, they they worked off of uh, a 1023, which is one of the uh, is like a report form, and it's basically the uh, the assertions that are made by the informant, and it got leaked early in the process, and those were basically uh, uh, Smirnoff's uh, uh, words that were leaked into the process and given a, an incredible spin on it. So. And there's really no one in our delegation who is uh, calling out uh, this obvious uh, attack on Biden for t- based on testimony that was fraudulent. Uh, not even Bill Cassidy is saying much these days, is he? Well, I think that part of this has to do uh, <laughs> with you need to look at what they're not saying, which is that uh, just a few weeks ago, they were all talking and pointing to Smirnoff's claims, and now they're not even mentioning the impeachment. So that that I think that's how we look at it. The only one that's really talking about it is Clay Higgins, and then Mike Johnson, because it's important as Speaker of the House that he kind of be in the lead on this. But the the others have uh, been uh, very quiet since this all came out. <laughs> Well, imagine living in Russia right now. Uh, thousands of Russians across that country tried to give voice to their grief for Alexei Navalny, and he died after being sent north to the Arctic Circle to a penal colony, and Russian police officers are cracking down 
detaining hundreds. Now I think the number is over a thousand of people and placing uh, them in jail. Uh, and uh, Navalny was, as we know, popular in Russia, and that's perhaps why he was killed. And uh, there were many efforts to to do him in, and he was poisoned, and he went back. Uh, he was a brave man, and yet uh, there are those, uh, believe it or not, in the United States who say he got what he deserved. I don't know what there is about this attraction to so-called strong men. And, of course, Putin is not a strong man himself, but he has a lot of goons around him. Well, yeah, it's strong. I mean, I would suggest that he is a very strong person, maybe not necessarily, you know, physically strong, but he certainly does control Russia and, and it's uh, uh, and its powerful interests as well. And I... I at a, I'm at a loss as to uh, why, except for that uh, uh, President Trump uh, seems to like uh, Russia and is, is trying to work with uh, Putin. And uh, then, I, you know, the politics is, I mean, I think if Biden loved Putin and wanted to work with Russia, then we would be, that the opposition would be, you know, just on the other side of the fence on this. I think it has a lot to do with the politics. But, you know, I don't know what is why they're acting the way they are. And it's apparent that Putin supported the man from Gotham City for president in 2016, 2020, and now in 2024. Patrick, in Innisfalda States. Patrick, you're on with Mark. Hey, I, I don't think Republicans support Putin or what has happened to this political prisoner, but what's odd is that left... And the leftist media is making a big deal about it when, you know, look at Saddam Hussein, all the political prisoners he killed, the gassing of children. And yet when we went to war there, uh, the left was against it. So why all of a sudden is the left uh, in support of the war in Russia? And I think. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's there's no no war in Russia. There's no war in Russia. The war was Russia invading another country. There's definitely better coverage of the political prisoners. When was the the invasion of Iraq? I mean, I believe that that passed with all but one vote. I mean, mean, honestly about that. (laughs) Well, Saddam Hussein, supposedly that war was because he had yellow cake uranium and he was going to blow us to smithereens, but um, he didn't do it. And Patrick, uh, and I'm sorry you hung up, but... uh, I think you're comparing uh, two different, uh, very different things and trying to make your point. But thanks for calling. 877-217-5757. We're back in 89.3 seconds. This is Jim Inkster, and you are listening to Talk Louisiana. 877-217-5757. Robin Dow is our producer, and Mark Ballard is our guest, as he is on most Thursdays from the Beltway. 877-217-5757. And right now we're surveying the national landscape, which, of course, affects what happens in Louisiana politics. In the old days, Tip O'Neill said all politics was local. Well... I think now politics are more national than they are local, and that was evident because in 2020, more than, well, about double the number of people voted in the 2020 election in Louisiana, which Donald Trump won by a mile. 
400,000 votes, as voted in the governor's election of last year. David in Atlanta, you're on with Mark. Good morning, David. You know, I think when the leader of the Republican Party says that Putin was a genius to invade Ukraine and slaughter women and children, it sounds like a friend to me. But, sir, Jesus said, woe to you hypocrites. Now, it was reported on MSNBC yesterday that monstrous war criminal Vladimir Putin has ordered Russian soldiers in Ukraine to kill Catholic priests. I believe they're cutting their throats. Now, Mike Johnson, who pretends to be a Christian, can't come to the aid of priests being murdered and likely having their throats cut. Mike Johnson nauseates me. This man is a hypocrite of hypocrites. He's a disgrace to the nation in Louisiana. All right, well... <laughs> and, and just like the other, just like the other caller, I gotta disagree with him on this. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Mike Johnson is a bad guy. He's just in a bad spot, and uh, he's fully uh, capable of uh, doing what his handlers want him to. And by the way, the Speaker of the House on the Republican side, as Kevin McCarthy showed, has re- no real power. It's more of a ceremonial position, representing people like Jim Jordan. And Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, they're the ones who run the show. And then you have people uh, supposedly of, of good mind who uh, go along with them. Uh, Mark, uh, I don't know, you may, you may have something And now there. I have to disagree with you, Jim. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it seems like I'm disagreeing a lot. Is basically, though, however, that uh, Mike Johnson and, like Speaker McCarthy before him, uh, because of the way that the the, the – the, what they call the, the five families, and that's five different caucuses of uh, Republicans who cannot agree on what they want as far as a, uh, a policy goes. They can't form a majority, but each one of them can uh, keep the Republicans' majority from passing what it wants. And I think that that's where, where we're running into it, is he's trying to juggle these uh, different uh, policy ideas that uh, each of the uh, uh the each of the caucuses want to see and are unwilling to negotiate on in in most cases and so that that's what uh, mike johnson is having to deal with and and i think that you know hey he could be in a better position if he had a little bit more uh, uh flexibility uh a, a few more votes i mean it's you know, not how many more votes does he have that is in majority. Remember, he's only got a two. He can only afford to lose two votes, and, and to uh, and if he mm-hmm. wants to see his stuff get passed. So, in in many ways, I mean, he, he the other strong speakers had uh, more cohesiveness among their uh, their majority, and they uh, had more votes that they could allow more of their house members to leave. And I think that that's what we're going to, that that's what he's having to deal with. <laughs> and All right. that's what we're going to see next week when we uh, go head into a uh, shutdown of the government. Again, we have one line open eight, seven, seven, two, one, seven, five, seven, five, seven for Mark Ballard. And uh, they did go on a two week hiatus with uh, money in Ukraine to fight the war up in the air. And, uh, it was a week ago that the advocate uh, opined on its editorial page that both Cassidy and, and Kennedy, who voted in the minority in their party, by the way, 
They voted for the $95.3 billion aid to Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. So uh, they were uh, going against the grain, and uh, it is it is fascinating. So uh, let's go to Donna in Mid-City. Donna, please be brief. You're on with Mark. Good morning. Um, this might be a little off topic, but it kind of reminds me of the report that the Republicans were depending on uh, for this impeachment inquiry into Biden. But what was the final determination of the Steele dossier? All right. The Steele dossier was uh, largely uh, determined to be fraudulent. So, Mark, uh, and uh, those who latched on to it paid a price. Uh, and, and I would think that those who latched on to the uh, statements like Sean Hannity 85 times in his show going on and on and on about how reliable this guy Alexander Smirnov was, uh, they've got some, uh, some questions to answer. Yeah, it's, I mean, it was based on, uh, I mean, Christopher Steele was a counterintelligence uh, expert, I guess. And it was uh, basically an opposition research report uh, uh, that basically uh, proved to have a whole lot of unverified and, and, uh, and raw intelligence reports. And so it was not established with, with facts and that sort of thing. And, it, and, and I, I see it as, as uh, that it was uh, largely just, uh, you know, I don't think, you know, that there was ever uh, any particular, you know, uh, decision that said, you know, this is fraudulent. But I think that a whole bunch of people uh, and a whole bunch of folks that uh, did the work into it, looked into it, including the FBI and the CIA, uh, found that that the the references and the allegations uh, were more sensational than verifiable. Dan downtown. Dan, you're on with Mark. Good morning. Uh, yeah, given the credibility of the witnesses against Biden, does it appear that the GOP has decided that 30,000 fact check lies is the only way to go? Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know if I can comment on that other than the way that they're apparently going is that uh, that. If even if Smirnoff is found to have been uh, lying, but the underlying points that he made uh, are enough to continue the impeachment, I mean that that's what Jim Jordan said. Patricia in Magnolia Woods. Hello, Patricia. You're on with Mark. Uh, good morning. Um, getting back to Ukraine, uh, Congressman Garrett Graves has said that he supports containing Putin, but he also um, is in favor of the position paper that Congressman Mike Garcia and five other Republicans who served in the military, who served in the military, developed that requires Ukraine to be account better for where they're spending the money. So I was wondering if you know about how many Republicans in the House are in favor of giving money to Ukraine. All right. And Graves in the past has voted against uh, funding for Ukraine. And uh, obviously, if only a few Republicans voted for it, it would pass because the Democrats are largely in favor of uh, this funding, Mark. 
Right. And that that's I mean, that is the, the that's where the rubber hits the road is that uh, a large number of the Republicans have not and will not say whether they're for uh, Ukraine funding. The uh, they're out is uh, what Congressman Graves has uh, been pointing to. And that is that uh, uh, it's not that we don't. And and Speaker Johnson uses the same thing as does uh, uh, Leader Scalise. Uh, it's not that we oppose funding for the Ukraine, but we need to know where the money is going, given that there has been corruption in the past, and they want to know what's the end game on it. When, when are we going to stop giving them money? And so that's where they say, even though we per, we support funding Ukraine against the the Russian invasion, this is where this is where we draw the line. This is why we can't support the uh, uh, the flat out money gifts that the uh, Biden administration wants. 877-217-5757. Mark Ballard of The Advocate and Picayune is with us. We'll cover some more ground with him, and we always look forward to hearing from you. We've got a couple of lines open now for the first time in a while. And hope you'll grab one or two and, well, grab one at a time and have one or two questions, one preferably for Mark Ballard. We're back after this. This is Jim Inkster, and you are listening to Talk Louisiana. And down at the state capitol, where Mark Ballard used to spend a lot of quality time, lawmakers in a special session on crime. If things go according to plan, we will hear from the governor tomorrow. But it is a session in which uh, so-called rights of people are being expanded, the right to have a weapon if you're a law-abiding citizen, no concealed carry permit. And now there's a bill in the offing that would do away with uh, car inspection stickers. And while those rights are being trumped, no pun intended, allies of the former president and officials who served in his administration are, according to the New York Times, planning ways to restrict abortion rights if he returns to power that would go far beyond proposals for a national ban or the laws enacted in conservative states like Louisiana. Behind the scenes, specific anti-abortion plans being proposed by the former president's allies are sweeping and and legally sophisticated. Some of the proposals would rely on enforcing the Comstock Act, a long dormant law from 1873, to criminalize the shipping of any materials used in in an abortion, including abortion pills, which account for the majority of the procedures of this kind in America. So there we are with uh, those who are, quote, pro-life, I'm sure cheering this potential move on. And uh, I would imagine that this will be one of the central issues in the campaign. And, Mark, we're now inside 37 weeks before the election, 257 shopping days left. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. what we have been seeing, uh, or at least what I've been reading a lot and hearing about, is that uh, abortion is going to, uh, particularly among the Democrats who are uh, arguing for uh, a less restrictive abortion, and some of the uh, Republicans who want to have more restrictive abortion bans, uh, that there's a, a bit of argument about that. Uh, uh, Donald Trump has not really come out and said, you know, he's kind of handed around at a, like a 15-week uh, uh ban uh and but he's not really come around to say much about that i think that he's going to focus campaign on the border and on uh basically isolationism uh 
and and I think that's where that's where we're going with those particular issues. It would be somewhat amusing uh, if it were the stakes were not as high as they are for people on both sides of this issue. But as we know, Biden, before he became president, was staunchly pro-choice. Then he appointed three justices who gave the majority in overturning Roe v. Wade. And now you're right. He's flirting with something that would be back to pretty much where we were. Fifteen weeks is uh, a pretty good amount of time. It's well past the first trimester. The Biden administration's decision, uh, this is uh, something that the advocate does not like, to pause permitting of liquefied natural gas exports is aimed at studying their effects on domestic energy prices as well as climate change. The advocate says this is a worthy goal, but the pause's impact on the industry weighs in the balance, and that's raised concerns in states like Louisiana, which is home to the 12 of the current 18 LNG projects awaiting approval. So... We are uh, potentially going to be affected uh, dramatically by this uh, as far as an economic perspective. But uh, do you think this uh, is something that will uh, affect Biden in a state that he lost by 400,000 votes four years ago? He may not care. Well, I, I don't think that there's much of a chance that he's going to be able to uh, to carry Louisiana Uh Louisiana is uh, firmly supported uh, of, uh, of President Trump. The the issue, though, on LNG is, from his perspective, is that the price of natural gas has gone up because uh, the U.S. has been sending so much of its natural gas supplies to the world market, and so that that has caused the prices to go up. He wants to investigate, uh, you know, the, the financing of that, and uh, then also what the impact on the environment has been uh, from all of these various plants that are coming up. Uh, apparently there's a lot of complaints uh, or not a lot. There are complaints around the, uh, the Cameron Parish uh, LNG plant uh, by some of the residents that live nearby. And so he's wanting to investigate, investigate more of that. And that was what was caught by the pause. Uh, and the other part of that though, is that, as far as the oil and gas production goes, uh, they hit historic highs, despite the regulation that Republicans are complaining about. Uh, so, you know, I, I, that, that's where that stands right now. It's back to the politics of the Republicans. President Trump says drill, baby, drill in almost every speech now. And uh, uh, there's a, a big question of, well, how much more drilling do we need to do? Because we've already, we, the U.S., have already hit historic highs in drilling and production. 877-217-5757 for Mark Ballard, James and Metairie. Hello, James. Well, good morning. Thank you, Jim, and good morning, Mark. Let's, ladies of America, don't forget it was Donald Trump who said if a woman has an abortion, she should be punished. Now, over the weekend, MAGA Moses Christian nationalist Mike Johnson held a meeting with a small group of Republicans to talk about how to uh, keep the, the majority. Instead, he went into a sermon about how the country needs God back in their life and moral decline. Moral decline? The man he supports, Donald Trump. He, uh, New York just passed a law that what he did to E. Jean Carroll will be considered a criminal offense. He was uh, fined over 500, I think $400 million for fraud. There's your moral decline. All right. 
Well, uh, Mike Johnson is is a man of faith, and I I, I think he's sincere in his faith, and uh, he has been quoted uh, as saying that he has been assigned by God to be Speaker of the House. Uh, many evangelicals believe, as do some other people of various faiths, that God puts people in places for a reason and that God is the ultimate authority. But if that's the case, then God also made Joe Biden president, Mark. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that sounds like a, a lot of philosophical uh, twisting, but yeah, that, <laughs> that certainly is the argument. But I do, as far as that goes, is that the uh, I, and I read about that speech uh, that the caller was uh, was discussing, and and I mean I believe that he was saying that, and, and truly believed it in his in his own mind is that that this was this is what was causing the problems, and and I think that that's a, a I mean you may not agree with it, but I think that what you can agree with is that he believes this, you know, without uh, w- without any side ideas. I mean, this is what he mm-hmm. believes. And, and where he comes from. 877-217-5757 is your number for Mark Ballard, Susie in South Baton Rouge. Hello, Susie. Hello. Good morning. I just wish um, Trump would go before court martial and be shot. I hate saying be that. Shot? Be shot? Be shot. <laughs> Killed. Killed. Well, that's before a bit much. Range. Well, uh, that, that's... Um, that's not appropriate. So I appreciate your call, but uh, uh, making statements like that might get a knock on your door from the Secret Service. And uh, let's let's hope you're not serious about killing anybody. And by the way, if somebody were to kill Trump or Biden, they would both be martyrs. And that, I think, would not be the goal of the person who shot them. But most people who do these sorts of things uh, don't think it out. Now, Susie, I suspect, uh, based on her statements, is saying that there would be some sort of trial, but you can bet if there were, the punishment would not be death and it would not be shot, and it would not be a case in which anybody would be shot. But, Mark, that kind of talk is dangerous. And we're hearing a lot more of that kind of talk on both sides. Uh, it, it, we're just hearing a lot more of it. I mean, the, uh, I think the main change in politics is uh, the kind of lack of decorum or lack of, uh, of discourse, the ability to kind of politely argue your position without making it such a, uh, a personal thing. 877-217-5757. And I mentioned uh, how would it be living in Russia right now? Well, one of the great things in America is that we can think, say things like Susie just said and largely move on with our lives and have people take us uh, not seriously. But if she said something like that in Russia about Vladimir Putin, I have a feeling Susie would be swept away, Mark. Well, yeah, they, we, <laughs> we have far more freedoms to, uh, to do that. That's one reason we're at the position that we are. It, it, as far as the lack of decorum, we have far more uh, ability to, say what we think and and not have to filter it and and we do do that so and a listener notes that uh, john schneider the actor who's been with us many times uh, he recently had a visit from the secret service for making similar comments about president biden so please be careful and uh, i'd rather not have those kinds of comments on the air please uh here's the story that a listener has steered me to uh from the new york times it was on 
page A15 yesterday, Justice Samuel Alito has renewed his criticism of the Supreme Court's landmark decision to recognize the right to same-sex marriage, saying that people who oppose homosexuality uh, risk being labeled as bigots and treated as such. The justice included his warning in a five-page statement explaining why the court had rejected a request to hear a Missouri case about people removed from a jury from voicing religious objections to gay relationships. And Alito has said he would like to overturn this ruling. Uh, Now, with the current Supreme Court, if they got a case that uh, was directed at same-sex marriage, I don't know what would happen, Mark. Well, I I mean, and we we all have to kind of speculate on that. Uh, But, you know, I, I too, don't know what would happen. But I do think that there is a worry, uh, at least, that some of the justices, Alito, Thomas, perhaps uh, uh, Gorsuch, would uh, would be basically rolling back the Obergefell uh, decision and opinion that allowed uh, uh, gay marriage. So uh, that is that is very much a possibility. That was 2015. That's nine years ago. Can you imagine? Uh, that would be a bit of an issue in the campaign, but it's not going to happen this year. But a lot of other things will, and we'll talk some more with Mark when we return after this. This is Jim Inkster, and thank you for joining us for Talk Louisiana. Mark Ballard going into overtime this week, and we're pleased he is. The governor was unable to be with us today in the midst of his crime session, but we endeavor to meet with him tomorrow right here. So... If you'd like to get in under the wire today, 877-217-5757. Paul in Opelousas, you're on with Mark. Hello, Paul. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Mark. Just a question. Uh, I know the state recently turned down some uh, funding for uh, summer feeding programs uh, in the state, even though it would have cost them a little bit. Um, I think it was like 70-some million dollars. I'm not sure. But I also understand... Hey, wait a minute. 71's, also, wait a minute. Seventy one's what we would get. We would only have to pay three million. That's what I'm, that's a that's a pretty good deal. And what I'm I'm understanding too that the state is now asking federal help for crawfish farmers. I just want to know is that clear? All right. Well, there are two different pots of money, and uh, <clears throat> basically, basically the EBT money uh, for over the summer was. Uh, uh, money that is being pushed and pursued by uh, Democrats. And uh, the, the, the blocking of it is not, Louisiana is not the only one, but I, I think maybe 16 or 17 other Republican-led states are, are saying that they don't want the money either. So I believe it's kind of fallen into a, a, a political issue. So, let, me, let me make a correction once when Patrick said, uh, and what, when Patrick was uh, talking about uh, folks that voted against the uh, use of military force in Iraq back in 2002. And I said there was only one voting against it, and that was only Bernie Sanders. But it was overwhelmingly passed with overwhelming support by the Democrats, uh, and which included uh, uh, both Senator Bro and Senator uh, uh, Landrieu at the time. It included Joe Biden at the time. Uh, it included uh, uh, Hillary, Senator Clinton Hillary Clinton yeah. at yeah. the time, and, and uh, all of whom uh, ended up uh, uh, passing or, or approving the resolution that sent 
uh, armed forces to Iraq. But I just wanted to clear that up. I got caught on Bernie Sanders being the guy who opposed it, and he did. So anyway, there we go. (laughs) You know, you know, Bernie has had a heart issue, but he's older than both Trump or Biden, and yet has I I would say more energy than either one of them and doesn't misspeak the way they both do. Uh, I'd like to know what Bernie has for breakfast every morning, Mark. I don't know. I've seen him in the halls, uh, and, and uh, he doesn't really talk that much on the floor, but he's in the halls and he is sharp. I mean, you, you don't, you can't, uh, many of these guys uh, uh, who are not nearly as old as Bernie Sanders is, uh, you know, that, that they can, misunderstand or go off on a different tangent, but, uh, he hears your question and he answers it directly. And, and he's, and he's sharp. He's got the, the, the details at his fingertips. So fairly in mid city, fairly you're on talk, Louisiana. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much, Jim. And hi, Mr. Ballard. Um, I was wondering if you could speak to the executive order that was issued by Governor Landry, basically undoing Governor Edwards' executive order around the industrial tax exemption program, making us absolutely the most generous state as far as these exemptions go, and how they impact our public education across the the state, and um, now taking away the local governing body's authority to vote on these exemptions. I think that a large part of that is that uh, it was something that the business community, particularly the the large industrial community, wanted rolled back because they did not like going through the local governments. They wanted to have a one-stop shop and uh, basically get the uh, tax relief that impacted the local governments, which was why they were involved. And uh, I I believe that 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 is the, the, the sole reason for that. And it's not a total rollback, but... But it is, I think, fairly accurate. It is a rollback. 877-217-5757. Another listener uh, says this was something we should address by Peter Baker. It was in the New York Times a few days ago, and it, it too, was not on the front page. Page 12, President Biden has not had a lot of fun perusing polls lately. He has a lower approval rating than every president going back to Eisenhower at this stage of their tenures, and he trails former President Trump in a fall rematch, but Biden can take solace from one survey in which he is way out in front of his competitor. A new poll of historians that came out on President's Day ranks Mr. Biden as the 14th best president in American history, just ahead of Woodrow Wilson, Ronald Reagan, and Ulysses S. Grant. While that may not get Biden a spot on Mount Rushmore, it could put him... uh, in position to make a case against Mr. Trump, who ranks dead last, number 45 in the Hall of Presidents, based on his performance from an assessment of prominent historians. Your thoughts, Mark Ballard? I, I, I always love these polls, but because the historians change where they stand on this as history changes as the time goes on. Remember that Woodrow Wilson used to be considered one of the top presidents ever. But then, you know, based on what he did during the first couple of years of his term, but then, you know, what happened after that, you know, and as they've looked at that over time, they've dropped his uh, his rating. The same as Eisenhower and Ulysses S. Grant. Grant used to be at the bottom of the poll, and he's kind of moved up over time as well. And so 
I don't read too much into that, though. Uh, <laughs> though it, during mm-hmm. a, a, a presidential election year, it certainly is something. <laughs> and, and I do think that Biden's numbers will go up as the as pe- more people recognize the improvement in the economy. Well, Abraham Lincoln, Franklin Roosevelt, George Washington, Theodore Roosevelt, and Thomas Jefferson were the top five of, from these historians, 154 of them. Among Republican scholars, Reagan is number five, the first George Bush 11th, Obama 15th, Biden 30th. Among Democratic historians, Reagan is 18th, Bush 19th, Obama 6th, and Biden 13th. Interestingly, uh, one modern president who generates little partisan difference is none other than Bill Clinton. Republicans rank him higher at 10th. Democrats have him at 12th. 877-217-5757. Sherry on Highland Road. Sherry, good morning. You're on. Good morning. I have two comments. The first is, if they don't want to give Ukraine money because they are afraid of how it will be spent, then give them more military aid, munitions, more tanks, more drones, more whatever they need to continue to battle Putin. The second comment is, Susie doesn't need to be just worried about the Secret Service showing up at her doorstep. She also needs to be worried about fanatical Trump worshipers finding out who she is after that comment and showing up at her doorstep. I'll take anything off the air. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Appreciate your comments. Let's go to Suzette in South Baton Rouge. I think this is a different Susie. The Suzette, you're on. I um, am perplexed at the country's seemingly amnesia about January 6th. I think we should show the films again of our representatives running through the Capitol, fearing for their lives. I believe Mike Johnson is a man of faith. But I don't understand how the Republicans can throw their support to a man who seems to be without gumption, morals. This is years in the making, not paying his workers. And I wonder if Mr. Trump ever funded an abortion for someone he had an affair with. Well, that's not going to be revealed, and and he wouldn't answer a question similar to that from Maureen Dowd. But... People do change. Now, the the thing with Trump is that he went from ardently pro-choice to ardently pro-life, and now he's trying to somehow get in the middle on this, which shows uh, how pliable he is for his political objectives, and he's not the first politician to be that way. But, Mark, would you like to respond? Yeah, I I mean, I I hear this a lot, uh, and that is basically how come— how do people support uh, Donald Trump? And, and uh, I don't really have an answer for that, except for that. The, and, and look at us in Louisiana. We have always liked uh, uh, these uh, rascals, if you will. Uh, I mean, Huey Long and Earl and Edwin Edwards. I mean, we, we've always wanted those kind of uh, uh, people. And he's he gives an entertaining show and he speaks he reaffirms uh, the beliefs that a lot of our fellow citizens hold, and uh, apparently close to half of them All hold right. the, the same figures. Phil and, Phil and Jefferson Terrace. Hi, Phil. You're on. Hi, Jim. Um, good morning, Mark. Um, I will say this about our legislators. They are very 
very sure that they don't want people to carry guns into the state capitol or into our uh, building, and that's as it should be. And But they will now have people uh, hidden carry without any permits. I mean, it's ridiculous. All right. They don't want guns at the capitol, that's for sure. But they that's want guns sure. uh, guns in just about every other place, and Phil uh, may be on to something. Uh, that is true. And and what we're seeing basically from the legislature, as near as I can tell, and I'm not there, so I, I, I might be off a little bit on this, but uh, it seems to be as what conservatives and some district attorneys, but not all, want a rollback of those changes that were uh, made to uh, make parole easier and, and to try to redirect some of the, uh, the criminals into uh, more uh, helping uh, uh, help to get over their, their problems that led to the crimes. Well, Mark, we do have to roll, but thanks for spending the full hour with us. Topical as always. The brilliant Mark Ballard. Until tomorrow, for Robin Dow, I'm Jim Inkster. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay tuned.